The gospel is the good news of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is only good news to those who hear it. Every believer is to go with the gospel. Today, we study with Scott Pauley what God's Word teaches about becoming a more effective witness for Christ. What should motivate us to carry the good news of Jesus Christ to others? What, what should put the go in the gospel for God's people? Well, I want us to begin our study at the end of the Bible. You know, if a man's last words are important, how much more are God's final inspired words? And that's what you find in Revelation chapter 22. It's God's final word. It's the, it's the thing that He wants impressed on our minds and implanted in our souls. It's what God says, don't forget this. And in fact, not only should we remember, it should motivate us to action. The great truth that we're going to find today is that all of us need to be ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And once we are ready, then we should be working diligently to help others around us get ready because Jesus is coming. Listen to Christ's words, Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 6. And He said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent His angel to show unto His servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. So Jesus says, I'm coming. When is He coming? He gives two words here. In verse 6 He says, I'm coming shortly. And in verse 7 He says, I'm coming quickly. I don't know about you, but as a child growing up, I really hated the word shortly. I remember being on trips and saying to my dad, when will we finally get there? And he gave that very indefinite, indescript answer shortly. It was not a, a definite time, but it was a definite promise. It was going to happen very soon. Well, may I say, we don't know the exact time, but we do know Jesus is coming. When is He coming? The next time someone asks you that question, just say, He's coming shortly. And if that doesn't suffice, He's coming quickly. You see, these are Christ's very words. He repeats this statement. In fact, in verse 12, he says, And behold, I come quickly. He says again in verse 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. So here he is at least three occasions on the last page of the Bible. God says, I want you to know, I am coming quickly. He uses some words for emphasis. For example, he uses the little word behold. That's a word of attention. We're to look. We're to be watchful. He uses the word surely. That's a word of assurance. In other words, he says, in case you, you wonder if this is really going to happen, I just want to give you my assurance, my word on it. But God never lies. It's impossible for God to lie. Everything He has ever foretold, He has fulfilled. So if He's kept His word to this point, don't you think He's going to keep His word in the end? Jesus Christ is coming very shortly. So let me ask you a personal question today. If you knew that in 12 hours you would stand before God, what would you do with those 12 hours? If you knew that 12 hours from right now, someone that you know, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, a fellow student, would leave this world and stand before God, what would you want to say to them? What if you only had 12 hours? You know, few people know the specific hour of their death. Uh, the Bible teaches us that 
It's appointed a man once to die, and after this the judgment. The problem is nobody knows exactly when that appointment is. Uh, our times are in God's hands, the Bible says. Well, what is true of death is also true of the return of Christ. No one knows the hour of Christ's return. Acts chapter 1, verse number 7 says that's, that's not in our power. That's not for us to know right now. Which means that every day we live should be lived as the last day. The things that would matter most on your last day on this earth should matter most today. We're all living on the edge of eternity, and any moment we could see Jesus Christ face to face. Now, this chapter that we're in, Revelation chapter 22, is an amazing chapter because the context of it is he gives a detailed description of the new heaven and the new earth, uh, that eternal abode of believers, this, this place where we get to be someday. You know, the sad reality is while we're excited about going there and being with God and what a wonderful thing it's going to be, there's a whole world around us that will not be there. There are souls we, we cross paths with every day that will not enter into that beautiful place to be with God forever because they don't know Jesus as their personal Savior. God, in this passage, identifies a number of things that will be no more. It's really a fascinating list. I hope you'll study it for yourself in Revelation 21 and Revelation chapter 22. He begins in Revelation 21.1 by saying there'll be no more sea. I love the ocean. First time I ever read that, I remember thinking, no more ocean, no more sea. And yet in Scripture, Isaiah 57.20 says that the sea is a picture of restlessness, an ever-changing world. He's, he's saying that's going to be gone. Uh, Revelation 21.4, there'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Uh, verse 22 of Revelation 21 says there'll be no temple there. Why? Because God will be enough. We're going to be with Him. At Revelation 21, 23, there's going to be no need of the sun or of the moon. Why? Because the Lord's going to provide the perfect light from His glory. At Revelation 21, 25, and then He repeats it in Revelation 22, 5, there'll be no night there. Think of this, one eternal day. You won't need to rest because you'll never get weary. And every day is going to be a good day there because it's only going to be one day. It's God's day. Revelation 21, 27, there'll be no more sin, no more evil. Uh, why? Because there's going to be no more flesh for us to deal with, this old nature, and no more devil. Won't that be a glorious day? And then in Revelation 22, 3, there's no more curse. The curse of sin, all the effects of sin that were introduced in Genesis 3 will be fully removed. Think of this. Man originally was made to leave Eden, to go away from the tree of life because of sin. But when you come to the end of the Bible, Revelation 22, he's now invited to come into the city of God. And guess what are you going to find in the city of God? Revelation 22, 14, the tree of life is there. So what Adam and Eve did not get to eat of, we will get to partake of. That's glorious to me. But as wonderful as these truths are, we must also ponder what else will be no more. You see, on that day, there'll be no more opportunity for unbelievers to come to Jesus. There'll be no more opportunity for believers to witness. In the land that is known as eternity, there's no more time. And the only time we have to get ready for eternity is now. That's why when you come to this final chapter of the Bible, it closes with such urgency, words like shortly and quickly. I ask again, what if you only had 12 hours? What would you do with the next 12 hours? I remember one night a, a fine lady in a meeting where I was speaking in Kentucky I began weeping in the middle of the message and she, she quickly left the service. 
And uh, she wrote me some days later and she said, I was sitting in the meeting that night and suddenly heaven and hell became so real to me. Eternity came alive in me. And she said, I sat there thinking about my father who did not know Jesus. She said, I had to leave immediately and go call him on the phone and tell him about Christ and urge him about his soul. And she said in her letter, he didn't get saved yet, but I believe he's going to be saved. He listened to the gospel for the first time. I tell you, if we had more believers living and laboring with that kind of urgency, I believe we'd see a great harvest of souls. I would say to you that one of the great motivators of putting the go in the gospel is that we have eternity in view. I'm telling you, when you think about the end, it makes today look different. It changes your perspective. That's why the Apostle Paul once said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We'll come back to Revelation 22 in our next study. I'd like to challenge you to read the chapter for yourself. It's only 21 verses long. It's the last page of your Bible. And it will stir your heart to put the go in the gospel. Thank you for listening to Enjoying the Journey. Would you like to learn more about how to witness for Christ? Or perhaps teach these lessons to others? You may order this series in a special Go Kit, complete with teacher helps, duplicable student guides, and additional training resources. Simply go to scottpauley.org for more information. We would love to hear from you and help you in any way possible. May God use all of us to go with the gospel today.